Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we are having a lot of discussion behind the scenes, and we're continuing last week's discussion on the Standard American Relationship, or SAR, or SARI. And maybe we want to think about this more globally, because I don't know if it's just an American phenomenon. We look at relationships around the world, and people are, in a sense, in dire straits, because we're in this period of anxiety a lot of crazy things are happening in the world. As we've talked about, human connection is an antidote for that. So you think about just going home, being around people that you love, holding someone's hand, hugging them at the end of the day. All of that is going to create just feelings of peace. Uh, you, you can relax, you can decompress, you can exhale. All of the accumulated stress that's built up during the day uh, starts to dissipate. So it's a place that we want to be, but at the same time, it's getting harder and harder to find those connections. And we see that loneliness is rising throughout the world. I hear in Japan, people are now having relationships with virtual assistants or virtual avatars instead of real relationships. They've given up on real relationships. We've talked about this in the U.S. That was the topic of last week's conversation. And just to add on to that, one, we've got problems with people who are in relationships. So for those of us in relationships, there are communication breakdowns, there are intimacy breakdowns, there are barriers that go up. And then for those of us outside of relationships, it's harder and harder to connect because, it, well, because of a lot of different things. I mean, some of them are just strange and I don't really understand, but you brought up an example of talking to a young woman and asking her, would it be okay if someone, if a man went up to you and said, hi, how are you doing? And she said, well, it might be okay, but it depends on how he did it, and it can't be too creepy. And it's like the rules of the game have changed. We've made it so complicated to just establish basic connections with other people, because now there is a potential liability. Uh, people don't want to be called out. People don't want to be hurt or traumatized. Uh, on the men's side, you don't want to be me too'd. Maybe on the women's side, you don't want to be used. Uh, so just getting back to really basic connections is very difficult. And then you're in a situation where you're damned if you do or you're damned if you don't. If you don't have a relationship, then you're lonely and depressed. If you do, you're depressed for different reasons because it's dysfunctional, as we talked about last week. So I got to say, it sounds like a very sorry landscape that we are a part of today. And I kind of go back to it, Z. It's interesting when I think about this. I get this visual in my mind of just taking my kids out to the playground. And they're hanging out. Then they see other kids who are about their age. And they just go up and they're like, hi. Oh, hi. Hey, do you want to be friends? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to be friends. You want to play together? Yeah. And then five minutes later, they're running around and they're best friends. And then they're begging me uh, or the other kid is begging their parents to exchange information so they can get together and they can have play dates. So there's something innate, I think, which is actually pretty simple. Uh, this desire to connect, this willingness to connect. But for some reason, either we're speaking a different language as men and women, or we're too distracted by technology, or we become overly conditioned and overly worried about potential liability, about being ostracized if we say the wrong thing. 
And this hurts people who are in relationships and it hurts people who are trying to get into relationships. I want to pick up where we left off last week and Z just run with this idea. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, is this a communication breakdown? And if it is a breakdown, what can we do to, to figure out better ways to connect? Well, whatever it is, Vin, we, we, we need to label it and put a narrative on it and bottle it and show what the ingredients are so we can have the antidote for it. And I'm not sure because Caitlin and I, as you know, earlier before we got on, we were in this kind of heated discussion about the simplicity of communication and interaction. And you said it when you, when you highlighted children's interaction. So children are the least screwed up of people to start with. It takes a little while to screw you up. It takes about 10 years to really screw a person up. So kids under 10 years old are not as screwed up as other people. And you pointed out seeing the kids in the playground. They walk up to each other. They see a common interest. And I say, yeah, I want to play. Maybe I don't. And the next thing you know, they've bonded. They've connected. Could potentially be a connection for life if the adults don't interfere. Uh, my son is just, just adores your daughters. They have no problem holding hands. They call each other. And they can be on the phone a long time talking about whatever uh, kids talk about in the warmest way with no baggage associated with it. Now we start to get a little more adult. And it goes to the, the, the conversation Caitlin was trying to explain to me, just like deep-seated issues people have with saying hi and bye, right? And it was a pretty troubling conversation because it is, each of us has a different reality. And my thing was simplicity of expression that is always managed and tethered to um, human dignity, respect, and so forth. And we've moved into a world where simple interactions are now very complex, and the brain rejects inefficiency and complexity. So we tend to throw out things that are too hard to do that show no real reward. Example of the restaurant over going to the restaurant and a guy held the door for a woman open and she said, excuse me, I'm able-bodied, I'm not crippled, you don't have to do that. And you could see the guy just let it go. Like I'm sure in his head he wanted to like uh, maybe ram her head through the wall or something like that and just be pissed off at just the rudeness of it. But in this day and age, that is expected normal behavior. And he was actually the bad guy for holding the door for the woman. And I watched this over the period of, of all these years. Caitlin has seen it through the window of her lifetime. And she kind of understood where the woman was coming from. I thought that the idea of basic, the exercise in chivalry. And what I mean by that is oftentimes classical men it felt good being a hero, a minor hero. You see somebody, they can't get their car started in the rain and you go offer assistance. Not every guy is running around in a creeper van waiting to hit you in the head with a wrench and throw you in a bag. It doesn't happen as often as people think. And there are more people, or used to be more people, who had a tendency towards courtesy. Courtesy and chivalry used to be hand in hand. 
You see a woman with a bunch of kids struggling. You offer to help her with her bag or her luggage or whatever. Can't do that anymore. We've complicated things for whatever reason. Kaylin says it's the pendulum of the Me Too. I think that's what you were saying, Kaylin. The pendulum has swung to the extreme where people are so the people are so concerned with the minefield of human interaction that you'd rather just not deal with it. It goes back to a scenario that played out here while I was talking to a young man about approaching a woman that he was interested in in a, 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 a pretty unencumbered way just to get a feel of the landscape to see if she might be interested in him. And he was like, nah, I don't even want to do it. I don't want to risk it. And then Caitlin went into a deep psychological background that maybe she was fetishized. Da, 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 da. Then I said, what's wrong with fetishes? We all have fetishes. And that's how we go after a partner. Because the partner that meets your fetish, you stay attracted to for a long time. If you don't get your fetish, you're going to be looking for your fetish. Right? That's your voodoo. That's the thing that gets you moving. Um, I, I have a fetish for, for fit ladies and smart ladies and a certain, all my girlfriends and wives kind of look alike. That's my fetish, right? You, then you have your own things that you like. And once that's off the table, you're not thinking about it anymore, right? This is what I like. There's nothing wrong. There's they, no they've connection. You can make connections, but I'm telling you, younger guys don't work on that part, the connection part. But see, that's another problem in the problem is what I'm saying. Because they have been raised in a time where chivalry is a toxic masculine feature, and they've been bartered with this news about what is toxic masculinity, but there's also nature that makes us different that we don't want to acknowledge now that nature is offensive and the facts of nature are offensive to certain groups. Before that even happened, we started buying into a propaganda. So like I said, my one of these kids I had working with me, 23-year-old guy, lives with his mom, doesn't have a driver's license, doesn't do that, and he has a relationship podcast. I asked him, what do you know about relationships? All he knows is the frustration that's shared, collectively shared with other guys that are going through their hormones, they're coming into manhood, but every behavior that they exhibit They've been told that that is destructive, wrong, and socially unacceptable. So they're imploding upon themselves. So you're developing this generation of these kind of quasi-incels that are angry, rageful, and don't even know why. They're actually sexually frustrated is what it is on many, many levels. Because everything that is a feature of primal masculinity is considered a negative and that they have an over an overburdening of the feminine to the point where the feminine is becoming like the masculine. So the, the, the loss, it's really a loss of femininity in our society. As you feminize the men, you masculinize the women, and then you have nothing. And now we're having debates and social debates on what gender is. It's gotten that crazy. Um, I always say refer back to the animal kingdom. Look in nature. What's going on with nature? What can we learn about this unbelievable thing called nature, the physics of being? And we can see why people are getting unhealthy. Why is there so much rage, just random rage that seems disconnected? People are frustrated and mad, and we're trying to 
I think, domesticate any, any semblance of a human being out of the human being and, and turning us into more, as we say, the amphisabian, the, the more reptilian type of creature that doesn't have the drive. I was having a discussion um, with my sister over the weekend. We went to a relative's birthday party, and she was telling me that now that she's older, nearing 70, that she reflects upon her life and sees the misinformation that she was given about relationship that left her alone at 70, that she didn't understand that men and women are truly different. And she always wanted to make the man in her life think like a woman and be like a woman. But she also was attracted to masculine men. You can't have both of those. What you can do is have space for each to exist. We don't have to infringe upon the space of the masculine. You don't have to infringe upon the space of the feminine for it to be harmonious and workable. Um, they were talking about how oftentimes women speak in process and men speak in problem solution. So you find a conflict when a woman wants a man to engage her in certain conversation or think like her, and you see the conflict when a man wants a woman to think and behave like a man. And when we understand that that's where the source of conflict, it's like they're opposing forces. You're trying to force them together, when if you just allow them to be them, they will attract each other. It's like a magnet. If you have a magnet and you try to push the positive and positive pole together, they will reject itself. But the positive and negative poles will draw them to one another. Try that experiment with a magnet and you'll see it, right? It's, it, it will repulse one another. So the feminine, the quasi-feminine and the lesser feminine will reject each other, right? There's no way that they can come together. But the male and the female can be drawn to each other. Those energies can work together. And so if we think about the times where not only are we under environmental assault in a way that we've never experienced in the recorded or considered human history, right? We've reached a calamity in our, in our, in our environment. Our environment is also our societies. We can see various other so-called um, progressive societies or advanced societies that are succumbing to the same challenges. And I think if we, who are thinking, just take a step back, let nature be our guide, let nature be the index that we use to upright it so we understand where the sources of conflict comes from. And as we talk about the standard, the sorry of standard American relationship interaction, we can see where there's so many failings, why there's so many frustrated, unhappy people. Because we do not appreciate that yin and yang are different from one another, yet they are interdependent on one another. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, Z, it's some good points that you raise. I mean, it's interesting the way you put it, that there's uh, this natural attraction between masculine and feminine, and that we've moved into a world where a lot of those differences are being erased, which, in a sense, almost has the opposite effect of what people intend. Because a lot of times you might think, okay, the more similar we become, the more we're all in this together, men and women are playing the same role, the more equal, if you choose to define equality that way, 
that we are, the better we can get along. But actually, those differences are what attract us to one another. And what you're saying is that if we don't have those differences, we actually start to repel each other. And maybe that's why we're ending up in this world that we're ending up in, where you've got people who don't know how to interact, they don't know how to connect. You've got people who go off into their own silos, so women will complain about relationships and the lack of availability of men. Men will complain that they can't approach women, or maybe they won't even do that. Z, they'll do what you're saying. They'll become incels, and they'll get in all these weird online groups and just develop a very dim view of the world, um, which in a sense, it sounds a little bit silly. I, I, actually, it doesn't sound silly to me, but I think we have a tendency as a society to trivialize this. Like, oh, you're sexually frustrated. What's the big deal about that? It, it actually is a very big deal because it leads to rage, as you're talking about. It leads to you not being able to function as a human being, not being able to express part of yourself in a normal way. So I think we're at a point in our society, not just with relationships, but as we talk about, there's so many of these external conditions that we're battling. Uh, there are the environmental considerations. There's the socialization. There's the fact that people are spending all of their time online and becoming more and more insular. Uh, so it's not just what we're talking about, but you've got cancel culture, for instance. There's a big liability to speaking up against the crowd, uh, which means that you basically end up in circles that can identify with your point of view and you stop engaging with the rest of the world. So we end up in these bubbles and part of them might be political bubbles, part might be religious bubbles. And here we're in sex bubbles where we got groups of men by themselves, groups of women by themselves. We'd all be better off if we were able to restore that basic interaction and connectivity, but we've lost a way to do it. And perhaps what's most dangerous about this is that there's a generation of people, as you're saying, Z, like this person you mentioned who's got the relationship podcast, who don't even know something different. So there's no guide. I mean, it's one thing if the world has changed, but you know that there's an alternative, and then you can navigate the conditions and say, okay, this is what I'm seeing, but I want something that is different than this, and I know what that looks like, so I can figure out a way to manage myself or find the right environment or create that environment. But what do we do if... That's all you know, and this is normal, and everyone around you is telling you that this is normal. I mean, I don't know if you, you have thoughts on this. I, I think this might be taking off, taking us in a little bit of a tangent, but maybe just spend a minute on this because I do find this pretty interesting. If that's all we know, how do we get to that point where we're even aware uh, that, that there's something better, uh, where we can start breaking out of this conditioning that we've been fed? Well, Vin, for one thing, I think really listening to nature, and, and that's where for the opt-outs, observation, meditation, all those things are very, very important in order to relocate ourselves, turning off the stream of noise, really filtering that. Just as you were talking, I was meditating on where does this go? Because if you hear common trends, you look at stats globally, and especially in an in industrialized world, that there is a, a much larger rift between men and women growing. Um, all markers are down in terms of the happiness scale. We speak of marriage and partnerships in very different ways than we spoke in other times. And I think you'll see a day in the near future where um, uh, kind of monogender or uh, 
same gender relationships will be as common or more common than classical natural relationships between men and women. And people are being raised in that environment. So when I think of these young kids who have been growing up in this, and I think about where is this going to hit? So uh, 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 a statistician one time did a, a flow chart of relationships. And he was talking about uh, the ideal woman, ideal man for men. And what's going to happen is the ideal woman for these young people will be a transgender person. The ideal man for a woman will be a woman who's been altered into a man and vice versa. So let's picture this scenario. Because there are so many pitfalls to the basic tendency to connect and mate. Now that we have an augmented society, both mentally and physically augmented, you want a man that thinks like a woman and you want a woman that thinks like a man. That's a transgender person. So most of these young men, who I would say 30 and under, their ideal mate is right now waiting for a sexual reassignment surgery. It's going to be their buddy Joe that's getting converted to Josephine. Because that woman... That man who's been converted to a woman will have uh, pseudo-women's parts, augmented parts, but think and behave like a man. Everything's comfortable. There's no challenge. For the woman, you can get a guy. You can get another woman that has guy parts that will sit up all day long and interact with you in a feminine way. And there's no challenge. There will be no differences in male and female. There will be no differences. Um, so you'll see these kinds of partnerships, and I'd imagine um, the classic ancient heterosexual will be simply a brood sow for more human beings. We'll, we'll be relegated to maybe a breeder status. I mean, let's play this scenario out all the way. If you really see where it's headed, because we have avoided any type of challenge, we don't face things that are in front of us, we can't have talks anymore without offending anybody. So the best thing to do is get an augmented partner if you can't afford the uh, Tesla human being or something. Then you could just get an altered person that used to be a woman that has some male parts but engages you completely like another woman. That can be your partner. So in the world that you've laid out to me, Caitlin, that would be ideal. Is that you, you get a, a, a man will date all the fellas here they don't have a hard time where they end up dating each other and they get augmented. Now there's no problem. We don't have to worry about being me too, chivalry, none of that. I, I did not say anything like but that. But that's the, that's the hellscape you painted. I'm not saying in a bad way, but as I'm listening to you, there se it seems almost impossible. It's not. Because it's so complex. It's, it's not. It's actually not. So Break it down. Okay, can I borrow the log? Because I need better audio. Okay. <laughs> I got Caitlin worked up here, so we're in trouble now. Indians on the warpath. Uh, I actually... Now, please, you're threatening me. I can't. You're me I've been sitting all day. All right. Uh, I did not lay it out like that. I'm just saying, yeah, there, is there a disconnect in our generation on communication? Absolutely. I believe that is the pendulum swinging, swinging the other way from the Me Too uni, uh, movement. 
but what I see with, uh, you know, the people that are coming down to here who have these relationship problems, it's more about their relationship with themselves. And like we talked about last week, you worked on yourself to get to a place where you can understand why it's not, why weren't my relationships successful? I'm repeating this pattern. So I feel like in this instance, you're, we're still, we're putting it on the other person still, or the, the, the per, you know, it's, a, it's because women like this, but really it's how we, our relationship with ourselves. And the, the big key that I'm missing is why have we eliminated the friends to, to couple uh, journey? That's what's completely missing. Well, and that's what's missing. But that's what I'm saying. That's what's missing in online dating uh, cultures and all these other people just like health, right? They want to just do the one thing once and get the person or have the relationship, but doesn't understand that you have to maintain it. And so, but if you have a relationship that's founded on friendship it's a lot more holistic i agree with you on that ken but i feel like most people don't have friends because we live in that world where uh you're bonding you're binding with people maybe based on video games that's what the young guy was telling me and i've heard this from a lot of young people is they, they the people they connect to they're not really connecting to they're connecting to them in a digital medium there's not a push pull there's not the necessary stress or tension needed to really get to know somebody, to adjust yourself, to uh, improve yourself, to challenge yourself. That doesn't exist in general. And then when you talk about partnering based on a primitive mandate of reproducing and improving the species and finding the strongest one, the natural push and pull of male-female interaction is gone. That's what chivalry was all about. You wanted to present yourself as the best man you could and a woman wanted to be the best woman she could to get potentially the best appropriate partner for her to build a life together. So those features are now considered a, a negative in society, right? They're a negative. So we're looking for easy, easy. Even as you were talking, I was thinking about, wow, friendships require a back and forth, a little tension, get to know people, you, a, a lot of personal growth, which we're against in our society. We're telling everybody, you're okay the way you are. We're even um, big advocates of mental health disorders where people are now introducing themselves by their mental health disorder. Hey, how you doing? I'm Joe. I'm bipolar. Oh, are you? Yeah, I, I got uh, personal, border personality disorder. What medications are you on? You're, you're connecting with people based on these low bars of existence. And I'm not saying, or maybe I am, maybe you should be ashamed of that and work on your shit, right? You, you have something, I remember people used to go to, excuse me, speech therapy class because they stuttered or had a lisp. When you see somebody, hey, I'm going to speech therapy. Yeah, great, so we can understand what the hell you're saying without spitting on everybody. Now they're saying, don't do that, it's okay. People should have a spitting room area so when you talk and spit, it's a, you know, I mean, that's the world we live in. And so when it comes to relationship trends that have a eminence far beyond a singular generation because older and older people are having this problem where people reconnecting or you hear these narratives that are completely mal-narratives about human relationships, you're questioning yourself. Should I be okay with that? 
right? You're, you're maybe, I'm, I, maybe I'm old-fashioned, and my tendency is to greet, meet, or do chivalrous things. When I saw how that man was treated for opening a door, it left a very ugly feeling in me because I, I was, I'm contemplative enough to know and start thinking, that's actually just a reflex that nature gave us because women are physically not as strong as men in general. They don't have the muscle mass. So in a compassionate world, you see somebody, be it a child, an elderly person, or somebody that you're stronger than, even another friend, you offer help. You offer assistance to your elderly, right? Yeah. Just as a reverence for your damn humanity. And then you start to segment that out and say, you know, being a gentleman. Mm -hmm. See, these are all bad things now. Yeah, I mean, I still believe it's, it is a malnarrative and I, I see it too. And when I was in New York, uh, I'm going to have to dub over all this, but when I was in New York, uh, you know, in, in the Midwest doing all the traveling, um, the Uber drivers didn't even offer to help put my luggage in the customer service. It affects customer service. Yeah. Uh, the guy, they asked first, they were like, would you like help? And you know, each time I was like, I was like, no, it's cool. I got it. I'm back here anyway. Like it's whatever. But they have to be careful not to offend somebody. Know, but it happened everywhere. You know, I was traveling mm -hmm. alone. Every train. Hey, do you need help putting that up there? Um, which I appreciated. And told, even though I didn't accept the help, I still said, oh, no, I'm good. But thank you for, yeah. you know. And I tried to, like, honor that reflex because it was nice getting the door held open for me at the hotel. And I made sure that gentleman knew Hey, I thank you. I appreciate that uh, because I'm a yeah. goddess, yeah. and that's how I want to navigate my life. And see now, now all of a sudden you claiming goddess status <laughs> after you first you were you were Butch McButchie, whatever, and now you're goddess. So I'm if we goddess. talk about the goddess culture, um, it was always about honor and worshiping the feminine divine, always be it Kali, Lakshmi, Saraswati, the Mother Mary, or whatever it is. And there is a great power in the feminine that's very different than the God power, the masculine power, that's also honored and revered. Now we're looking to destroy both God and goddesses and morph it into Magog or, or dog God or whatever it is, and it takes away from us. And because we have evolved that way for so many millennia, so, many, uh, so much of our time on this planet, that we are now in conflict with that. And thus, the nature of a stagnation, conflict, buildup, is you see ragefulness. You see more murderous behavior. You see what happened in Korea the other day, the stomping of each other in a huge crowd. You see random acts of violence. And just what's published is, is, is a small amount. But the callousness of behavior and that comes from a disconnect from your basic I think that the higher areas of your basic humanity to care for children and the elderly to support the weaker sex people like to say I'm saying gross physical strength women have a different type of intelligence than men do 
as thus goes in the conflict of relationship conversations where you just you, you just want oh my partner isn't communicative no he's a man so you you and, and you're pushing it far beyond his capacity to process what the hell you're saying and vice versa you know if you want a woman who is Johnny on the spot like a man you're actually looking for a tranny you don't want that unless you want that most dudes just want a girl that was, you know, the doctor said, hey, it's a girl. So it's really that simple. But we live in, in a world that we've confused and disrupted the natural signatures. Right? And if we can reflect upon that by observing nature in our meditations, we can find a healthier path through this moment for those of us who are interested in that. But many people have grown up and if, if they're under 30, they don't know another world. They only feel the frustration. That's why you're getting younger and younger killers, younger and younger rageaholics, younger and younger people who are so diabolical because that normal expression of energy is imploding within them, right? One of the, next to the desire to get food, you know, when, when they, they've had cases where people are stranded or marooned somewhere and they start to cannibalize each other, right? This is out of the nature thing because that craving to satisfy the hungers overwhelmed their intellect. You see in the case of the Uruguayan soccer players as written in the book Survive, right? So you see that these people, or in a panic where people are suddenly stampeding and looting for fear of not having enough. What about on a deeper sensual field when you don't have an intimate partner and your chances of having one doesn't exist. Where then does that energy that would have been expressed in a sexual and intimate way, where does it go? It turns and implodes like hungry people in, in the Andes, right? So you see these assaults, murders, attacks of all kinds, and just the general thing with road rage. I mean, people just walk around ready to explode and give their life for that. They're like willing to die because someone took their parking space, right? And you can see if you're seeing this enough, it's worth noting. For those of us who opt out, we're self-reflective. And even when we're going through it, we want to reflect inward. I want to see what's happening when I'm really angry at my wife or something like that, or there's this buildup of tension. It really comes down to just, we haven't, we, we haven't had time for, for intimacy. It's really that simple. It's not that complicated. But if we intellectualize it and then buffer that with the sprinkle of contemporary morality, then we're going to try and intellectualize ourselves out of something that's very primordial. Yeah, but it's been said that the Western Occidental mind prefers intelligence, right? That's more of a yang thing. You've said that. Yeah, before. very male. Whereas we don't value yin. Uh, and I, you know, it's... It's just a part of, I don't know where that started in our culture. Well, I, I can see the trends have been heading that way because we are overly cerebral. We want to complicate simplicity. As Krishnamurti said, uh, we put a head on our head to fix our head, right? It's something you don't want to do, but we've tended to do that. So we've made things really complicated. And we've given narratives and titles. They have books, oh, the 10 love languages. No, it's really not that many love languages. It's real simple. Your, 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 your partner needs some loving and this and that and be left alone. 
you need this and that to encourage the house, and you're all fine. There might be a billion love languages, but you need to just talk the one that's in your house, right, and get to know the person you're with, and then not using that as an excuse to not work on yourself. Because a lot of this advice out there is an excuse not to work on yourself. It really is. And that's what people don't want to do. A lot of the health trends of being very comfortable with cosmetic surgery. You, you drive down the freeway, there are signs all over, freeze fat away, um, wear some sort of a waist trimmer or something like that, wear this kinds of thing, anything but a workout and pushing away from the table because that requires uh, contemplation, it requires personal responsibility. Mental health, uh, everybody's bragging about their mental No, find a mentor that is dispassionate and loving enough to put you on the right track. Follow their advice. Get some books on philosophy and read them and do them. Take notes. Work on yourself. Work on yourself again. Know that you're arrogant, uh, egotistical, and narcissistic and work on each one of those features to ratchet it down so you could be a healthier person. If you're uh, lonely, uh, there are, are too many billions of people in the world to be lonely. Maybe you're shopping or looking for a partner in a very shallow pool. You need to go to a deeper lake and you have more fish in the sea. I think there's a website called More Fish in the Sea or something. And it's just about that. There's always somebody for you, but do you overesteem yourself to the way where you're no longer even available to be with somebody? As we were listening to some of these discussions where these people wanted this, this debonair multimillionaire to take care of her and her five kids and her um, diverticulitis. You, you know, you're, you're asking for too much for what you're bringing to the table. That's the ego. That's simply the ego. Uh, I disagree with you, too, on the concept of fetish. You know, they've used that in there. They go, oh, the Asian fetish, the this fetish. Um, people like what they like. You know, some people like Haagen-Dazs, some people like potato chips. Um, you like what you like. So what? I have a chocolate fetish. So what? Um, I'm not imposing that anybody, so I, I got to meet somebody else who got a chocolate fetish. Then we're all good, you know? And so fetishes find fetishes, and they work out together. Uh, the politicians are all deeply involved in some type of sadomasochist uh, dominatrix thing. All politicians are involved. So they have happy relationships, or seemingly happy to ravage one of us. Uh, you have all kind of bizarre stuff going on. They've owned themselves. And that's what makes us feel that they're confident and able to do things. They look so confident. No, they own their fetish. They own their fetish. It's not a bad word, right? No, but you've, I, you've never been on the receiving end of, of being a young woman on these dating sites and seeing what the, what the okay. guys are saying. But, but I don't have the, the, here. I've been on, the, the, before there were dating sites, they had another thing called... Um, what was it called? Like you go into a newspaper and the personals. And then at the dawn of the dating era, I went for people who had fetishes for muscular black dudes that look crazy. Okay? There are certain women that were attracted to dudes who look like me, who look like they just came out of the prison or just got out of the war. Okay? Certain chicks like that. And I would go through just them. Other women didn't like that. And I was okay with that. I would get all kind of really um, kind of rude sexual gestures, and then I would date them. So 
I don't have a problem with that. It's just like I can't control other people's thinking. It's just like when you go to comments on these um, message boards or, or your Yahoo or whatever you're reading, and they just, every other word is uh, the N-word. That's, that's what all over Twitter, that's all this. I don't have to, I, I can, if a tree falls in the woods, you can't hear it if you, unless you're there. I'm not going to chase things and look for problems. I think that these people are too sensitive. They can easily turn it off or not look at it because it has no bearing on the calories they're going to take in or the, 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 their day. People like you. Men are visual. They have all that. They're going to like you for whatever features you have. Whatever you are, that's what they're going to like, and they're going to tend to always like that. Women do the same thing in their own way. Women don't necessarily date a broad range of men. Their thing may not be physical, but it might be financial. They only date accountants, or they only date blah, blah, blah. That's their fetish. That's their fetish. That's all I'm saying. If you go to some site and a person is into, uh, let's say, uh, Russian women or something like that because they're godless or whatever, and they tend to um, know how to take care of the guy sexually because they came from an Eastern European country with no morality. So what? And if the Russian women don't like that, they don't move that way. But there may be extraordinary Russian women who aren't, don't follow that typical culture mandate. They don't go for that. I think people have to grow a spine. I mean, I know that as a person of color and as the most despised, member of the most despised group on earth, black people, I have to have a strong skin or I hear things all the time. I hear things here. Oh, I thought you were Chinese. I thought you were Indian. I laugh at it. You've heard it too. I don't care. Some of you will do better than me socially simply because people are more comfortable in their, their own fetishization of the world. In the yoga community, they fetishize yoga practices and East, everything East is good. India is all wonderful. Isn't it not all wonderful? I love India, but it's not all wonderful. Or people will fetishize different things. I don't think we should use that as one more thing to cripple us in the world. That goes to mental health. Grow a, grow a pair and deal with it. Some people like short women. Some people like tall women. Some people like uh, uh, this kind of man or that kind of man. So I think that that's fine. I was it's your fetish. No, I was just getting to the point that what, what's lacking is connection. You can have all the fetish you want. I didn't mean it as a negative connotation to Totally it. agree with you, Kate. But if, you know, I saw the energy John walked up to her with, and it was not good. You don't want to bring I think you agree because, I, again, I saw a different energy. It's, two, it's, it's the blind men and the elephant. I saw a very pathetic guy, like all these guys are pretty pathetic, because they seem like they've been broken. They don't exude confidence in themselves. And that's what we teach them, how to fight, how to move. That's what we've been working on, how to hold your back up, just how to stand straight up with good posture, right? Because your posture tells a story about you. Just how to look a person in the eye and talk without biting your lip, looking the ground, and digging in your nose. So we're talking about just inter human interaction 101 that most of these guys in this generation, your generation, just don't have because of whatever his, their message has been in their upbringing and their, this time in society, that they're uncertain about themselves and it shows. 
So when they do go to express a heartfelt emotion or even a casual liking, it's going to come out very awkward because they've never been able to do it. They're unpracticed. It's their first time on a bicycle. That's what it looks like. And I see it over and over and over again. And there's so much narrative that reinforces it that there's no reason to do better. My poor nephew is still pining over a girl he broke up with a decade ago. Right? And just like, good God, man, get over it. You know how many women I would have had in a decade? How many heartbroken I would have? Good God, there have been at least 50. So they don't have the resilience. And then there's narratives that make you okay with being non-resilient. I'm wounded. I'm hurt. I'm traumatized. Well, there is some stress in the world that's good stress. Sometimes there's good tension. It makes you a better person. It makes you more adaptive. You fall down, you get up, and you learn something about how to move. You, you train in martial arts, you get uh, bested by somebody, you learn a new strategy. All life is strategy. All life is strategy. That's all I'm saying, Caitlin. And we just hear these excuse narratives are too prevalent in our society. Failure narratives are too prevalent. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about how to fail gracefully. How to just try. If you don't take first place, at least be on the podium and just friggin' try. Because you fell down and your heart was broken, get the hell up. Learn something from that experience. Maybe change your, uh, what you're shooting for and adjust that. Right? That's, it's really that simple. That's what I saw. You saw a creepy dude. I saw, like all these others, your boyfriend included, they were all creepy to me until they stopped being creepy. <laughs> they were. And you even said it. You went somewhere none of them could change a tire or some shit like that. That's creepy to me. That you were the only one around that was giving orders. That's creepy. It's just like what the young lady told me one time. She was out in the wilderness and they got lost and they had to sleep in the car for the night. And the boyfriend was hiding under her for fear of somebody coming to hurt them. And she said she understood it intellectually. She accepted it. She said, but something in her gut made her not attracted to him anymore. You know what that was? That was nature. Because your dude is supposed to put up a fight for you. Sorry. Have you ever read the definition of nature? In the... Uh, I just read the definition in the Merriam-Webster. Merriam it wasn't the Funk and Wagnall. Merriam-Webster. What did it say? Uh, and the Oxford definition as well, that nature is outside of humans. That's what they all say. Mm -hmm. That's That could be also why it's so hard for humans. Because our very definition definition of nature is that it's outside. I us. think that's wrong. It is wrong. I, I think we're part of nature. And also, yeah. if you understand this, the, the physics, I always say physics, physics is the study of natural phenomena. I don't believe that nature is outside of us. Nature is, we are part of that. That's why we can learn so much for it. For the people that opt out, that's why we encourage us to go observe the workings of nature. You observe plants, you observe all these things, and you start to see the order of things. So then I would say for us to really turn to the order of things and then start with little exercises within our own reach, 
which is with our, our beloved, our, our intimate partner, or with our children and our friends, um, to learn to observe and respond to in the, in the healthiest way we can um, to the nature of people, right? And to how they are, their temperament. Maybe pass on what I've been doing with my wife to help is because she won't listen to me. I'll send her Instagram things and then you get them because you and my wife get the same Instagrams I send except the booty clapping ones. And what I do is I send her those and there are we women saying the same thing I'm saying. And she'll say to me, she said to me the other day, wow, that's a different perspective. I've never heard that perspective before. And it's exactly the same thing I've said, but she hears it from the mouth of a woman. And in doing that, it almost gives her permission to be okay with what's said because she too has been conditioned by societal ideas of morals, moralities, and behavior, which is off, like the dictionary is off on nature. Uh, just because you read it there doesn't mean it's right. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, yeah, I definitely follow you. I mean, there's so much to, to respond to. We've covered a ton of ground. I guess what I'm taking away from this is that we need to be clear on ourselves. And Caitlin, this goes to your point about whether you do the work on yourself or you wait for the rest of the world to change. As we often talk about, the world is doing what it's doing. We're off in these weird directions. But for me, a lot of the value I'm getting personally out of these conversations, Z, and some of the ones we have behind the scenes is that there are other ways to think about gender roles. There are other ways of thinking about how a relationship should function beyond what we hear in the mainstream. And just having that awareness then allows us to pick and choose. And as you're saying, if we want to be the dude who only wants to hang out with trannies, then great. <laughs> Go and do that. God bless. But if that's what we're told to do and we feel like we have to do it and we're choking down the rage and frustration that we feel, then maybe reconsider some of those assumptions and go back to more of the classic ideas around gender distinctions, around the male and the female, and the differences in communication style, the differences in how they operate in a relationship, what each one brings, and then find someone, to your point Z, who shares that same idea. Find your fetish and you can match up with them and hopefully have some chance at a successful relationship, which seems less and less prevalent uh, these days, but but maybe we can still do it, or for those of us in relationships, uh, we can slowly move, or, or maybe quickly move uh, to a better place. Um, I do have one more thought. I, I don't know if we want to cover it now, or if we're running short on time, maybe we can defer it until next week. How are you doing, Z? I'm good. Yeah, yeah, so then I'll tee up this question. Uh, I'm curious, uh, for your perspective, and uh, maybe also Caitlin's perspective. I was thinking about my own relationship and some of my views around this. And I'm going to say this, I'm going to caveat this and just say this is my personal perspective. I'm not saying this is right or wrong or it applies to other people. I'm just talking about how I personally feel at times. I feel at times, I look at some of the sayings that we we use in society, like behind every great man, there is a great woman. Uh, or you think about ideas around divorce and the reason why, why women get half of whatever the assets are, because they've stood behind the man and they've allowed someone like Bezos, for example, to have the success that he had. Uh, his wife, who ended up with $40 billion or something like that, 
Uh, she was working with him for 25 years. For a while, she was the only employee for Amazon. Uh, so she supported him in that venture. Uh, so that makes sense to me. And that idea makes a lot of sense. And I look at my relationship at times, and I kind of feel like it's almost the opposite. That on the one hand, it would be nice to have a partner who provides, who steps into that role, who is providing the support, the foundation. Uh, so I go out, deal with the stresses of the world, do the things that I want to do, provide for the family. And then I come back and there's a certain amount of harmony and there's a chance to just feel at ease uh, to de-stress as we talked about at the beginning. Uh, so there's a certain symbiosis, but that implies different roles. Uh, that implies that my wife would be spending more time at home on the domestic front, keeping the peace and the harmony. I'd be out doing the spoken word, the rap, trying to launch some revolution or whatever I feel like doing. Um, so that to me is a model uh, that I've got in my mind. And then I compare that sometimes with what we have. And I almost feel like it's the opposite, that the relationship is preventing me from doing the things that I want to do. And, and I don't say that in a selfish way. Like I want to go out and, and gamble all our money away or do a bunch of irresponsible shit, but more there are certain things that I want to achieve in this life. And it's almost like um, working at times with a weight tied around me because I've got to deal with a relationship. And some of the dynamics around that are dynamics of control or dynamics of fairness or perceived fairness, or why do you get to do this? And I don't, or no, you shouldn't be doing that. No other husband does this. Uh, this is unacceptable. Why don't you want to be around with the kids? Uh, and it almost feels like a liability instead of an asset in, in, in that sense, in terms of me wanting to achieve certain things in my life. W what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, am I being a selfish dick uh, or is it? No, I would say, Vin, you're, you're, in a, you're in a common challenge. We all are. You're, you, we live in a world of gender plurality. Your wife works and lives as a masculine being. And you come home to a person who's living and working as a, a pseudo or quasi-man in work, career pursuits, and so forth. It is the, it's more of the yang. And so there's more yang than yin. So when you come home and you're looking to dwell in the yin, there's less yin there. And there's a lot of aggro or, or mask in there. So immediately it's fire and rage. And when the woman isn't living in her feminine, of course... She develops what they call in Chinese medicine, empty fire syndromes and things like that. So she's raging, she's going, going, raging, and then you're dealing with that. And you've been living as a masculine, your, your masculine energy becomes sedate at the end of your day. And you want to simply be more rooted, focus on things that bring you um, a moment of pleasure and serenity. And she's coming off of this masculine high of being out there in the world, the job thing, the running, the competitive thing. And so there becomes this conflict. I mean, many of us are facing that. We all struggle with that. You look at anybody whose wife has a career. The career requires you being in the masculine. That's the nature of careers. There are few careers that allow you to live totally in the feminine. And there are also the challenge of that too is even if you have a career, that's not so butch or masculine, then you have to have time constraints on it and have boundaries where you transition back to the feminine. And oftentimes the, the, you, we, we're not honoring those time constraints where there should be a 
period of delineation, a demarcation zone to say, I'm done with that now. I'm no longer doing the lawyer, doctor, uh, entrepreneur thing. I'm going back and playing the role of mother, wifey, girlfriend, uh, supporter. There, it, there's no clarity between the two. As the, as the scriptures of all kinds say in the end, the men will look like the women, the women look like the men. There is no clarity of that. And oftentimes when people hear that, they immediately go to male versus female when yin and yang is not male versus female. It's understanding really the quantum nature of things, that there is a root to a tree and there are leaves and fruit from the tree. The root is the yin, the, the root is the yin, the fruit is the yang. We don't have a problem with that. But in nature, in our nature, it's the same way. Uh, when you're through fighting uh, everybody at work and you want to be creative and all that, that's being in the feminine, that's being in the earthier part of you after you've raged battle and done all this, you want to chill out. You want to go do your, whatever your thing is, your music, your gardening, your chill out, your cuddle up with your wife, enjoy that. But if she's still in the masculine, it's very hard to do that. It's about competing, one-upsmanship, vanquishing an enemy, uh, planning for another opponent, uh, playing an endless game of chess with, with uh, real or, or um, imagined adversaries. So the big exercise is really to return to the yin-yang, honoring the yin and yang, really honoring that by studying it and also accepting the constraints of time. After so many hours in a day, we need to settle into our yin and yang. We need to let that be settled. And so if we're not, we're fighting, the days are longer, we're arguing, there's no intimacy. Again, that's the intimacy indicator I talked about the last time. Is the bed ready? Um, is life ready? Are you watching the clock? And no, you know, by eight at night, I need to really decompress. So I have a few hours uh, with my partner so we can sleep really re well rested, wake up happy. Because if you go to bed tense, you're going to wake up and with a continuation of the day before with a bit of bitterness, a bit of anger, and a lot of resentment. And that builds up and builds up. And that definitely is one of the things that destroys relationship. So you can always say, if you're uh, uh, partnered with somebody you like and your friend, that your episodes of quiet, comfortable, focused on each other time is the most important time. If you have maybe 20 minutes a week of that or once a month of that, that's not sufficient. That's starving the baby. You're definitely going to starve the baby of love. You're going to kill the yin and yang. There will be no harmony of yin and yang. So if you want to have harmony of the yin and yang, it's like doing your gardening, right? I'm going to put it, I'm going to water it. I'm going to nurture it. I'm going to shut down. Even the term of submitting is a bad thing. Muslims say one should submit to the will of Allah. Nobody has a problem with that. The yogis say prapati, surrender to the divine, and so forth. All religions have that idea, but the divine is in your house. Sometimes submitting to your husband or submitting to the, the will of things, the wife, it's not a bad thing. But in you, when you're in a yang, everybody wants one-upsmanship. Everybody wants to be the last word or in charge or I beat them. They didn't beat me today. I won today. But in winning that day and you end up the day cold and distant, you just lost your family. If you bark at the person when they walk in the door and you're asking, the man is asking the woman to be like a, a man and the woman's asking the, woman, the man to be like a woman 
and you're arguing, you're talking about inconsequential bullshit that's wasting your time. You just wasted a day. You wasted an hour that you guys could have been uh, making love or holding hands or contemplating a beautiful future together. So it's really respecting time in the, the line of yin and yang. You follow me, Vin? Yeah. Yeah, no, I follow you. I definitely follow you. I feel like there's, we just have to navigate. We have to navigate because there are realities and we do have more of maybe a masculine society. We do have a lot of women who work and we've got different ideas. Different people might have different ideas about how to live. Uh, so within that, I don't know where exactly that comes out. I guess if we're able to move in that direction or at least have that awareness of the different energies and the time and space for each one, and maybe really have a view. I think what helps me is when I look at things as a unit. So it's not so much about me. It's more I've got a a group or a, I don't know, almost a machine that I'm responsible for, which is the family and the immediate environment. And what can I do, which is in the best interest of the collective? And, and that's a way, at least in my mind, I can figure out what's going to lead to the most harmony and the best outcome. That's right. And for us opt-outs, it's real simple things. I talked last week about making the bid. I also would say if you're more excited about your career than your family, then it's time to reevaluate why you have a family. If you find you have more enthusiasm and energy with a work project than you do with your partner, not a good sign. Not a good sign. If you prioritize 10 things in, in, in the week and the 11th thing is your partner, there's a problem there. doesn't take much to nurture, but, but it, 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 it does take some discipline and focus to really have the reverence to say what's important. And you see where that's led people. Pretty much when you see people with dynamic careers living in the masculine uh, they don't need, they don't have a good relationship. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.